Hi, this is Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and even a little bit about keeping a cozy, organized home. You can find me on my blog, Simple Handmade Everyday, which is at kristenesser.com, and on Instagram at kristenesser. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. Welcome to episode three. I've got my cup of tea here today. It's oolong and it's um, unashamedly just from a tea bag, not loose leaf tea. I kind of got turned on to oolong tea, which I feel is somewhere between black tea and green tea. I think they often serve it in um, Chinese restaurants. And there is a rumor, I hope it's true, that every cup of oolong tea helps your body burn 67 calories. You know, just roughly 67 calories. So I don't know if it's true or not, but I bought into it and I like it and I buy it by these big 100 bag boxes on Amazon very inexpensively because it's weirdly hard to find uh, locally for me. If you have listened to previous episodes, welcome back and thanks so much for just spending a little bit of time with me. And if this is your first episode, then welcome and let me know what you think and I hope you'll be back. I guess this is the time where I should very awkwardly say, if you enjoy the podcast, I would really, really appreciate it if you would go on iTunes and give it a review and a rating. But you know, only if you like it. If you don't like it, then just don't listen. But uh, apparently, it really helps other people find the podcast on iTunes, and um, I would just really appreciate it, and i love to hear what you think. So today I've got a few things to talk to you about. I've been thinking about talking to you, like, for two weeks. I just, I keep, you know, like, recording little things in my head. I guess podcasting is a little addicting in that way. But to kind of give you an outline of what we're going to go over a bit, um, I've got some stuff to talk about quilting, knitting, what I'm reading, uh, a show I'm into, and just a little bit of a homemaking tip. So let's get right into it with quilting. So as I mentioned before, I was going to QuiltCon, and now QuiltCon has come and gone like this, you know, big, magnificent event. And um, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about it. I feel like it is just you know, covered to the nth degree. If you are into quilting and you're on social media, you know who won best in show. You've seen all the really good quilts. So I'm not sure there's a lot left to say other than my experience was really fun. I was able to go on, let's see, it opened on Thursday. I went on Friday and I was able to meet in person uh, my friend Holly Ann Knight from String and Story. And we have, we talk all the time, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, through Facebook Messenger, and she is the president of Quilts for Cure, and we did these quilts. You know, I've talked this to death, so I don't want to bore you with that, but I got to meet her in real life, and we made a total scene in the lobby of looking around for each other and screaming and hugging, and people were staring, and um, it was wonderful. And she got me an early, she got me a Michael Miller fabrics badge. So I was able to get onto the show floor and I met Kate from Michael Miller. And a little bit unexpectedly, I sort of got swept into working that booth for that morning. And it was so much fun. 
Michael Miller was cutting up um, Michael Miller. Michael Miller Fabrics, as represented by Kate, was cutting up fabrics for the, they call them the friendship quilts, the charity quilts for next year. So people got to pick some fabric and take it with them and then they will make a six and a half inch unfinished block and send it back to be made into these quilts that will be given to kids with cancer. It's so amazing. And I said that little speech about a hundred thousand times as I helped people, I handed out charm packs and fabric and explained what the lines were and things like that. And the booth was so busy, it was mobbed. And so they just needed help and it was really fun. Holly Ann was doing demos. She was talking about this amazing get uh, giveaway that they were doing with Michael Miller and Orophil and Daylight and um, Quilt Pro, that, I think that's what it's called. Just a million, uh, Ulfa, you know, all those, all these people, they put together this amazing giveaway to one person. I don't know who won. They are like, it was like winning the lottery. It was, it would be amazing. So, um, she was doing that. She was doing demos up on the big screen of how to quilt feathers and like, you know, she was working it girl. It was amazing. So I worked that booth, um, until it was time for me to go take a class. And I took an EQ8 class from Amy Ellis and uh, it was great. I, when I signed up for the class, I had just upgraded to EQ8, never felt that I utilized EQ6 or 7 to their full potential at all. And I never really wanted to take a class because, well I wanted to take a class and they have them locally at my quilt shop but I wasn't sure that a beginner class was really right for me because I knew a lot, but I didn't know, I knew some, but not a lot, but I thought I might be bored there, but I wasn't really good enough for an intermediate class. So I just waffled and never did anything. So I'm just like, I'm taking, I'm taking the beginning class. Well, by the time, between the time I bought EQ8 and I had this class, I had actually already taught somebody else how to use it. So I knew the basics pretty well. Um, so the first, it was a three hour class, the first hour and a half were not so great um, because I, only personally, because I knew Amy Ellis is a fine teacher. She showed us quilts the beginning of the class that she had designed in EQ8. And I was really hopeful because all the quilts that she showed were not traditional block grid based quilts. And that's the only thing I know how to do in EQ is that very traditional layout. And I'd like to do something a little bit more ambitious and irregular and modern, um, but I didn't know how to do it. And so we finally got to that part near, you know, in the last hour or so of the class and I haven't practiced since, so I hope I remember, but um, I got a much better sense of it. So it ultimately, it was great. And then I was able to, I had about an hour to go before the show closed. I did a quick spin around the, the vendor floor and um, just kind of saw, you know, who's there and um, didn't buy anything or I really didn't buy much of anything anywhere, to be honest with you. But, and then uh, Holly Ann and I got to go to dinner together, which was great. And we just, I mean, it's just, you know, one of those things where you know somebody from online and have never spent any time in real life. But when you get to be in real life, it's like you've known them forever, you know, which just really goes to show you that these relationships that we form online are real. You know, they, they are actual connections. I had that same 
um, situation with my friend Francis of the Off Kilter Quilt. We have talked many times and emailed, um, but in real life, is this true? I guess so. I have only really seen her once in real life and we had dinner and again it was the same thing it's just like we just picked up like you know we live next door to each other and I just really actually find that you know amazing so we ended up going home uh, that night the quilt cons in Pasadena and I live uh, about 50 miles away so that was really nice it, although uh, Holly Ann told me I could totally crash in her hotel room I wanted to just come home and kind of keep this some semblance of, of normal family life, even though I told my family, pretend I'm traveling, but I will be home in the morning and at night. So I went back on Saturday, and this was my chance to really see the show, and I spent quite a long time walking the show. And my first impression of it was complete intimidation. I know I'm supposed to be inspired by these amazing quilts, but to be honest with you, my first impression was, hang it up, you are never going to do any of this. This is amazing, your brain doesn't even think like this. Look at this amazing quilting, This the, the workmanship of the piecing, the ideas, the, you know, it's like going to an art show and I was just like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And so part of the reason that is the case is, I don't know how it is when it's QuiltCon East, but in, in this venue in Pasadena, all the really amazing quilts are right when you walk in, like the winners. And um, so, you know, those are the first things that, that hit you. And um, then a whole, there's a, a separate building with a lot of the, the other quilts. And by the time I worked my way slowly through the quilts in the main vendor hall and then eventually um, got over to the, the second hall. Then I started seeing things that I felt were more relatable. That like, oh, okay, I can do that. That's, that's very cool, but that is attainable. And so it took me a while to really just sort of mentally wrap my mind around it. And then I started to feel inspired. I have never entered a show, quilt, like a quilt in a show. I'm not sure I ever will, but I started taking inspiration instead of just being intimidated. Uh, Holly Ann and I actually um, did this little Facebook live. It's actually Holly Ann did it. And I just followed her around <laughs> and gave color commentary, which was really fun. Um, but I was trying to, to keep my eyes open for what the trends were. I went to QuiltCon two years ago, the last time it was in Pasadena. And um, so I, I only have that to compare it to. And a couple of the things that, or a few things that I noticed is that um, there are, there were more use of prints this time. I think of modern quilting as being very solids based. And that's something that I really want to explore this year. Um, because I am kind of a Prince girl, but I just, you know, want to do some things that get me out of my comfort zone. But I saw lots of quilts with prints. I saw a lot of tiny, tiny piecing, like little log cabins or rail fence blocks that the center square is a quarter inch. <laughs> I mean, just tiny. And each of the little, you know, rounds of fabric are like a quarter inch. Just tiny, tiny piecing, sometimes tiny improv piecing, um, often kind of wonky piecing and no one can blame you for doing some walking piecing when you're talking on, on that level but I thought that was kind of interesting and while there is a ton of straight line quilting 
there was a lot of free motion too in a mix of free motion and straight line in the same quilt so I thought that was kind of interesting because and I even, even saw feathers you know and I think of feathers as being really traditional but there were lots of feathers on on modern quilts and that was kind of kind of interesting overall I think what I really saw is just an increased level of sophistication in the modern quilt movement you know it's not that old this movement and so it's growing up and people are kind of figuring stuff out and figuring out what works and it's just getting more and more sophisticated which is why I feel like maybe I was so intimidated when I first came in because you know there are some absolute real masters and, and I really have found that a lot of the people who are good at this they are surface designers they're graphic designers they are engineers you know and I am none of those things but um, yeah, so I just think that the movement is just getting better and better. So one quilt that I kind of want to talk about um, that I've not, I've never seen anybody show it online, and I, I'm sure I took a picture of it. Um, I, you know, I only took pictures with my phone, but it was this quilt. It won like second place in applique, and it was big, and it was a cutaway. Um, view into a jail or a prison of many floors and so each of the blocks was a person in a jail cell and I was just standing there like amazed it's it's it was you know it was gruesome <laughs> or you know I mean it wasn't like oh it's so pretty it, but it was such a statement and I was just looking at each different cell like some there was people were doing different things in different cells this guy is lifting weights and this guy's reading a book and this guy's sitting on the toilet this guy's bending over and you can see the little pockets in this little orange jumpsuit there's a guy who had hung himself you know I mean there was a guy that was just like a puddle on the floor and so this other woman was looking at this quilt too and we got into this little conversation about like you know just oh my gosh did you see this one? Oh gosh what do you think this means and who would think to use pink fabric in the in the cell where the guy's lifting weights my brain just doesn't think that way well it turned out to be see if I can get her name right Cheryl Brinkley of Meadow Mist Designs and um, she just had a book that came out and we just started talking I didn't know who she was just we introduced you know our, ourselves and we like just had this um, you know pretty fun five minutes of discussing this quilt and then um, she just asked if I had a quilt in the show no do you have a quilt in the show she had two so I'm like show me so um, they were both amazing and turns out she's an engineer she is a, a patent officer a patent writer and she said something that I thought was really interesting we were just talking about perfectionism I don't know an accuracy I don't know how we got on to that but I said oh I just listened to this podcast the Abby Glassenberg Walshy Naps podcast with Mr. Domestic and he had this little quote that I thought was pretty good which is he is a bit of a stickler for accuracy and so he shoots for 95% accuracy because that last 5% can just really steal your joy. And I thought that was a great quote. And that's when she said, I actually write patents and we say go for 90% because that last 10% can take you years. And I'm like, you know what? I like that one even better. I like 90% accuracy because that last 10% can really steal your joy. So um, that kind of has given me sort of a new mindset for, for how I want to approach quilt making and accuracy. Then later that day, Minky, Kim, and I had our book signing at the CNT booth. And I 
have revealed that I was so scared that nobody was going to show up, but never us underestimate the Minky Kim fan club. <laughs> they showed up and we signed books and people hung out and talked and people are just so impressed with everything that Mickey does. And between you and me, I kind of felt like people were wondering, why is this other lady signing my Minky book? <laughs> so, which is totally fine because it is her, her, it's her design, it's her aesthetic. And I'm just glad that I had that part in, in just writing it and, and bringing it, you know, to the market. Well, the quilt con section of this podcast is uh, taking longer than I expected, so let me kind of just uh, move on. And um, I guess the only other thing that I want to talk about is I've got two other projects that I'm working on. I mentioned that I had a bunch of works in progress, a bunch of unfinished quilts um, that I wanted to finish up this year, and I finally sort of revisited those this weekend, and I pulled out this the pineapple quilt that I mentioned before that I bought as a kit when we went to Maui five or six years ago and I was a new quilter and I didn't think in any way about how a quilt was constructed and this is a very heavily applique quilt and I have been stuck on it for years and I thought you know what just sit down and do a block a day there's nine pineapple blocks and the, the stickler was um, the the pineapples are done it's the top there are 13 leaves and they're supposed to all be sort of a different blue, uh, green batik and it just seemed like so fussy and so much work so I just sat down I dumped out all the little pieces and I just put together a block like on the background and I was like oh you know what this is not that hard and so uh, I had resolved to do a block a day but in true Kristen style who is very all or nothing I did four blocks that night and um, I did another one last night and so now I've just got um, like four more to do. So I'm very happy to to have that on its way and once they're all um, sort of fused down then I have to tackle how I'm going to actually applique them down so but one one problem at a time. And the other project I'm working on is a equilateral triangle table runner because I've got a quilt design that I submitted to a magazine without ever having made a 60 degree triangle quilt and um, it was accepted so now I have to figure out how to sew a quilt like that accurately because that's a lot it's it's a lot of points that need to come together 90% right 90% accuracy maybe for a magazine I'll destroy for 95 um, so I'm working on that and I really really suck at it right now so I need to just kind of put in some time each day to um, you know to sit down and sew accurately and kind of figure out the tricks of how to to get those points to sort of come together so that's kind of it for you know what's on my sewing table let's continue with what's on my needles and what's happening in my knitting world you know I recently sort of re-fell in love with knitting and I have fallen out of love with it several times in the last few weeks so um, I did finish up those Hermione everyday socks I'll put a picture in the show notes if you follow me on Instagram Kristen Esser is my name on Instagram and everywhere else to be honest with you um, I, I did post a picture there and they came out really cute. I really love them. They are very me. The color, the colors are great. It was a very fun pattern to knit because it was easy but not mindless. Um, I'm not a good enough knitter to um, knit really a pattern without thinking about it. So that was really fun. But after that, I was really craving a pair of just vanilla socks, just stockinette all the way around. And so I cast those on this weekend with the yarn. Um, 
that I bought on our trip to Napa. Otis and Chloe is what it's called. And oh my goodness, I just, I had this day on Saturday where I spent all afternoon knitting on two different projects and they were completely torn out, you know, down to just balls of yarn and empty needles by the end of the night. <laughs> so I was just like, are you really a knitter, Kristen? Because apparently you like just are really terrible at this. So it was very frustrating. Um, and I, I can't explain why it, it just, things kept going wrong. So, but I do now finally have, um, just a pair of plain vanilla socks that are with this really cute muted kind of Neapolitan ice cream self-striping. It's kind of like this, um, chocolate and vanilla and some strawberry, you know, so I'll take a picture of it. It's just a cuff right now. And I've switched over to knitting the magic loop, which I've always been a DPNs kind of person, but, um, I've just heard a lot of people really like knitting magic loops. So I wanted to try it. And I bought a set of, um, they're called Chiago needles and I've heard about them on podcasts and I love them. I think the cable is actually kind of this, um, metal cable with a red plastic coating over it. And it is so flexible and, but it doesn't, um, it, it doesn't get curly the way that nylon cables do. I have a set of knit picks interchangeables that I got when I first became a knitter and they are fine, but they are not great. And that's where I realized that having these better cables that aren't just nylon really makes a, a huge difference. So, so anyway, so I've got a pair of, you know, socks on the needles, which is really fine. But the, pr the project that I was really excited about are these color work knittens that I, knittens, <laughs> color work mittens for uh, my daughter before she goes to Norway. I've never done color work, but I just kind of practiced it. I did a gauge swatch, wasn't sure how to measure, measure it. I actually went to my local knitting store and talked to them about, you know, getting gauge and felt like I really kind of knew what I was doing. I mean, I just had to practice. I've watched a bunch of videos and um, I'm a continental knitter. So I basically have a, you know, like red yarn on one side, my white yarn on the other of, of, of like my lap and I hold both strands of yarn over one finger. So I just pick from the, the, the yarn that color that I need, I can put a video in the show notes that explains it pretty well, shows it pretty well. And I was really enjoying it. And then I got, I don't know. And, and it was the first time I was reading a chart. I mean, I was felt like I was just, just knocking off knitting skills left and right. And then somewhere along the line, I look at it and I realize why is this stitch looking funny? And it turns out I had dropped a stitch along the way I could not get it worked back up in pattern. So I thought I'll just rip back to that point. And then it just all fell apart and I just ended up, um, ripping the whole thing out. And then I re I have recast on a couple times and just things just keep going wrong. So it's on timeout right now. And I just wanted some mindless knitting to remind myself that I knew how to knit. Um, I did learn a new cast on, which I'm really excited about for those mittens. It's a very stretchy cast on called the old Norwegian cast on or the German twisted cast on. It's very stretchy. And I actually used it on my, um, pair of socks that I, uh, just cast on as well, because there's always, I do a long tail cast on and I always feel like that's 
when you first put your feet in those socks, it's, it's a little, I don't know, um, not, it's not stretchy enough. So I'm kind of excited that I learned that when I looked up a video for it and I'll put it in the show notes, it blew my mind. It's like, I was like, I will never figure this out, but it's not that much different from a long tail cast on. And if you just watch the video a few times, it, it actually, the muscle memory kicks in. So, um, I will put that in the show notes and it's put on, uh, that, tutorial is by, I think it's called Very Pink Knits, and she has amazing knitting tutorials. Like, you could absolutely just learn to knit by watching that YouTube channel. Now on to what I've been reading. After my, like, just love affair with the Louise Penny books, I've struggled to find uh, a novel that I just really want to dig into. I've tried a few that haven't worked out. I abandoned the little bookshop on the corner. I might finish it someday. It's like a total vacation beach read. So it's just a little light for me. And that hasn't been what I was looking for. I ended up just taking Outlander back to the library. I just was not getting into that. But what I did pick up is this book of short stories that you may have seen making the rounds right now called Margaret Goes Modern. It's written by Frances O'Rourke Dow, the host of the Off-Kilter Quilt. And she, in addition to being an amazing children's book author, she also writes quilt fiction and has a, a website, quiltfiction.com. She wrote Birds in the Air last year, which was an amazing uh, book, just so much fun to read about a, a woman and her family that moved to the Appalachian Mountains in search of that simple life and she discovers quilting and a bunch of quirky characters in this town and has some trouble fitting in and um, it's it's a great book and I hope I, you should read it if you haven't and uh, but I know a lot of you probably have so now Francis is actually working on a sequel to that book called Stars Upon Stars, um, and I'm super excited to read that when it comes out. But she did, in the meantime, this series of short stories, and one of them is called Margaret Goes Modern, and that is the name of the book. I think it's Margaret Goes, Goes Modern and Other Short Stories. It has just been like the perfect transition book that I need. You know, it's one of those things where you can just like sit down with a cup of tea or before you go to bed and um, read a, a story beginning to end, and they've just got that fun quilty vibe. I love reading quilt fiction because it makes me want to go sew. It's like it combines these two things I love, reading and sewing. As I'm, you know, listening or reading about this person who is is discovering something about quilting or making a quilt, I just like sort of imagine myself doing that and um, and I want to get in the sewing room. I'm a person that needs to be re-inspired on a daily basis. <laughs> That's what gets me doing things is by seeing other people, reading about them, watching videos. Those are the kind of things that, that sort of really motivate me. So, um, Margaret Goes Modern cannot recommend it highly enough. And I, I really like short stories because, you know, I don't know, I fall asleep when I read at night and stuff. So something that's short really is really appealing to me. So check that out. It's very affordable. It's on Amazon. I'll put a, a link in the show notes. I've also been sort of casting about for my next show. I'm this person, I'm super monogamous. I just want my go-tos and want to know that this is the show we're watching and this is the book I'm reading and this is the project I'm working on and that's part of my problem I was going to talk about more but, you know, things have gotten out of control here. But the fact that I have so many different projects going on is a little bit nervous making for me. I'm just, I like to know exactly what I'm going to be doing. I've been searching for a show. I came across, I don't even know where, but a show called Shetland. It's on Netflix 
and it's a uh, it's like a murder mystery show. I noticed that it's like if you it says if you like this you will like uh, Midsummer Murders and Broadchurch and all these other shows that I have already watched. So they have my uh, demographic pretty well nailed down. But it's a it's a murder mystery kind of show on the Shetland Islands in like north of Scotland. Even some of it takes place on the tiny, tiny island of Fair Isle, which is where, you know, all this colorwork knitting comes from. It's And it's very close to Norway, which is the colorwork knitting's a big deal there, too. And it kind of all makes sense to me now that I've done a little bit of these colorwork mittens, um, even if it has been ripped out. And that is that when you do colorwork, your knitting is twice as thick because whatever yarn you're not knitting with is being carried behind it which makes everything really thick and you can just tell by looking at this the gorgeous scenery in this show that it's freezing cold and windy all the time there it just makes so much sense that that's where you know these uh this the style of knitting originated from so i've totally been enjoying that you know it's my show to sit down when i'm knitting or folding laundry or you know at the sewing machine or whatever and i'm uh I'm really enjoying it. It's not, there's not very many seasons and it's got that British thing that the seasons are like three episodes long. (laughs) You know, what is up with that? Give me a 24 episode season. So anyways, uh, Shetland is the show I'm watching and I'm totally, totally loving it. The last thing I wanted to talk about is what's working for me homemaking wise. And last week I talked about kids cook night and uh, this week Ben made sloppy joes, worked out really well, except for the fact that all the, the the hamburger buns got burnt and everybody was blaming everybody else over it. And I tried to assure both boys that I have burned the bread in a meal more times than I can count, which is why I now set a one minute timer every time I put bread in the oven and people mock me for it, but it is so easy to forget that you just put those in there and you need to be paying attention. So anyways, so I got, I was contacted by a few people that were thinking about um, trying kids cook night in their um, house. And if you do let me know, I'd so much love when people contact me and tell me that they've tried something that I've recommended. It's like just the biggest thrill to know that of all the stuff that, you know, I put out there that if it just helps one person, I feel like it it was worth it. So, but what I want to talk to you about today is menu planning. I don't even know how people get through the day without making a menu plan. (laughs) If I didn't know at four o'clock what I was making for dinner, I would be a nervous wreck. But that, that maybe is a different different podcast about why you should menu plan. I think there's a, there's a million, you know, pieces of information out there about why it's a good idea. It helps you to just buy the food that you need. It helps you really use things up. So it keeps your grocery bill down. It keeps your anxiety down to know at the beginning of the day what you're going to make for dinner, you know, fewer trips to the store, all that, you know, those are all good reasons. And for years I would just sit down on Sunday or Saturday or whatever day I'm going to do my grocery shopping. And I would just, you know, sit down with some cookbooks. I have a binder of recipes and and a calendar of, you know, I've been menu planning for years. So sometimes I, I keep my old calendars and I will go back and look at what we're eating this time of year from last year or the year before. But I recently came across uh, a video on YouTube. Gosh, I hope I can find it and give credit. But I've switched over to this new method and it has to do with writing down each different meal that you make on an index card. So I I did that one day. I just sat down and went through like, you know, 
a few months worth of things that we that we make on a regular basis and I put them in this little index card holder when I sit down to make my menu plan I just take out these index cards and just sort of deal out five now I'd like to say that I just deal out the, the top five which is really what you know the system truly is but you know I'm like I you know what that's that's not really seasonal or I don't really feel like that or I have chicken I need to use up but I just kind of cherry pick them out but it's so much easier to do it this way because it's all in just this one place and I do put like the cookbook page number and what cookbook it is or whether it's in my recipe binder and there are certain things that we eat a lot that in my little stack of cards I have like three times just like pasta with red sauce you know we eat that or hamburgers because I want those to come up more often this has been kind of a game changer for me I get through this so much faster it took a little setup time to do because I did sit down you know make these cards the first time but now as I even try new recipes I make a card for it it. the cards for the week that we're having I keep those in front and then if that recipe doesn't really work out I just throw it out but if uh, if it does then it just gets sort of shuffled back into to the rest of the cards I actually just take that those five that I for this week and I put them behind so that you know we kind of have a rotation thing going so I don't know if that would work for you but um, it just is has really saved me a lot of time which kind of gets you over the hump of, of menu planning because sometimes I just don't really you know feel like doing it even though it needs to be done and it's just anything that can make it just that much easier is um, is a win in my book so that's it for this episode thank you so much for spending a little time with me whether you are sitting down with a cup of tea and some handwork or going on your daily walk or doing some housework whatever it is I truly appreciate you spending this time with me I loved comments, so let me know what you're thinking. And again, I hate to say it, but I would love it if you guys would leave some reviews and ratings on iTunes. I would really appreciate it. So until next time, thanks so much for sharing this time with me.